Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you folks. It's exciting to be on our 87th podcast. And as promised, we wanted to take this podcast and and talk about these trials. We finished up a series when God doesn't make sense. And, And we said that today, this particular podcast would allow us to listen to Stephanie's trials that that made Stephanie a missionary. God used it and made her a missionary with Armed Forces Baptist Missions. She was already a missionary to Africa, as you remember. Uh, And it it gave her a ministry to these women and children. And honestly, she wrote a book and, and all these different things going on. And so what brought Stephanie there? And I believe it was the second trial. And we all are are well aware that uh, Stephanie's dear, wonderful husband, uh, Charles Wesco Sr., was modern there, and we remember the story, most of us do, behind that. If not, go to uh, stephaniewesco.com and uh, listen to that whole story on how Charles was modern and things of that nature. But Stephanie gets home and has to deal with the terrible complications and the terrible situation um, with burying memorial service, two different services, and all that. She gets back, and all of a sudden, and not to steal her thunder, not to talk to you about what she went through, but all of a sudden she starts some of the greatest trials of her life after just finishing the greatest trial of her life, losing her husband. And I want to talk to you about and what we want to get out of this today is how God can use us through those trials and how these terrible trials and what we were talking about look for something good to happen because something great happened with Stephanie. And I'm just going to read her favorite verses in the Bible uh, from Psalm 91 before she gets going. <clears throat> I'm only going to ask a few questions and set her free. But in Psalm 91, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, for my God in Him and I tr- and will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shall thou trust His truth, shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror at night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High thy habitation. There shall be no evil before thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. There shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shall thou temple under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, Therefore I shall deliver him, I shall set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him, 
and show him my salvation. You know, as I read that, Stephanie, so many things came to mind of, of what you went through in these verses and how you lived them and how you're going. On. Well, first of all, let me say good morning to you. Good morning, Stephanie. How are you today? Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Um, cool as a cucumber. You know, there we go. We are changing. We are picking up on new stuff. I'm so happy about that. But here you are. Uh, you've been through what we talked about, the introduction, the martyrdom, the funerals. You're living with your folks. Um, you, While you were in Cameroon before the accident, you had just started memorizing Psalm number 91. And you get home and you get through the memorial service. Life slows down. And what happens? Tell us about these terrible trials that show up. Well, it was definitely a learning process, a growing process. You know, no one ever plans. No one ever um, says ahead in life, I'm going to go through such and such, so let's let's get geared up for that. And um, to a certain extent, yes, as you put on the whole armor of God and you seek to walk with the Lord, that's, that's how we prepare. You know, that's how we... Um, be strong in the power of the Lord and the power of his might but you don't ever prepare fully for things like that to happen mm. and um, the Lord had impressed that passage of Psalm 91 on me um, honestly before we went to the mission and um, it was kind of a prayer of protection I had claimed for my family and quite honestly I had always uh, my biggest fear of going to the mission field was that I would lose a child and that I would, you know, have a child get sick with one of the diseases that was there and die. And that was one of the biggest realms. Um, one of the things I had to really surrender to the Lord as we began deputation was get peace from the Lord that he loved my children more than I did and he could protect them. And the Lord brought me to total peace with that. And honestly, the thought of something, something happening to Charles had seriously, I mean, Charles had said things of, if this happens, I want you to do this. If, if something happens to me, you need to be prepared for such and such. And I was like, really the Lord, I had no fear of something happening to Charles. I didn't have the slightest ounce of fear that anything would ever happen to him. And so um, as I prayed, I prayed for protection over my family, but I was always thinking in terms of it specifically over my children. And, um, so as, you know, as we went through the whole, those days of, um, preparation, I had, yes, I had been memorizing that passage, just reading it. And I don't honestly know that I was, I had already memorized it at a you know, a long time ago when I was a kid, but it was more just reading it, focusing on it praying those verses and um as we went to Cameroon you know um, I've shared before that I was actually quoting that passage um that day in the car as those shots came through that vehicle mm -hmm. and um I know there is power in the word of God and that's where you don't understand you know that's where my brain can take a very wild trail of all of the whys of <laughs> Lord why was your word a shield to Ben, to Charles, and to me, but it wasn't to my husband. Yeah, to Charles and Yeah. Yes, and there's just no, I, I'll never have that answer, except that that's how God, God could best glorify himself. 
And um, that's that passage for a long time became, became a passage after Charles' death. Though I knew God's word was true, um, by association, I did not. I did not want to read that passage. I did not want to hear it mentioned. I did not want to hear a pastor preach out of it because I felt sort of betrayed. And mm. I'm sorry. I really struggled with God. You said that thousands would fall, but it wouldn't come by me or come, you know, come near us. And it did. Hmm. And the Lord had to give me the refocus of Romans 8, 28, where God says all things work together for good. Yeah. So even though I didn't understand it, I knew my God is always true. And so I knew he wasn't lying. I knew even though he had allowed Charles to be lasted and not me, not my son and not Ben Sinclair. Hmm. I knew God's word was true no matter what. And so, uh, but I just had to stay away from that passage. It just, a certain extent, it was a trigger those first multiple months. It was very much, if I began to read that passage, it sent me into an automatic flashback. Wow. And so, because I was quoting through those exact verses of um, an arrow flying by night and um, an arrow flying by day. It was those verses that I was quoting when those shots hit our car and um, killed Charles. And so I just had to stay away from the passage. And um, I remember even along the way you had wanted to read Psalm 91 and I was like... <laughs> can we read something else? <laughs> so it just, it was just a passage I just had to avoid. And I just was really struggling with surrendering to the fact that even though I knew it was true, reading it really made me struggle with how can this be true? Yeah. And so, um, you and I had begun, um, talking, you were giving, you know, we had done counseling sessions and, um, you had begun sharing with me how you really believed that God's, my part of me healing and what God's will was for my life was to invest in others and to help other people. And, um, literally within a very short time frame of that is when I found out that I had liver tumors. Yeah. And I had been dealing with severe, severe pain, um, mainly, um, in my abdomen and liver area after Charles was killed. And then the months, it just kept getting worse um, as we went into 2019. And, um, and hold on anyway, for one, after... hold on one second there, Stephanie. So just to put this in perspective, you had just went through the most terrible, hurtful trial of your life. And now you have an excruciating pain and all that. And what are you thinking? I honestly did not know what was wrong. Um, so I was like, well, I'm probably dying now. And I honestly didn't at that point have much of a will to live. Um, living, I almost felt like I was a dead person trapped in a live body. And um, if it wasn't for the Lord and his word, and if it wasn't for the fact that I had eight children that I knew I had to live for, I, I would have very willingly curled up and died somewhere. And so 
Um, and it wasn't because I had a wish for death. I just had, I felt like I honestly, other than my kids, I had absolutely no reason in the world to live. And at that point, you know, when you're only sleeping two or three hours a night, and then when you do sleep, it's all nightmares. And when you're awake, mm. you're living in constant flashback mode. Just kind of live like this is, you know, I'll force myself to breathe. I'll force myself to feed my kids. And that's just kind of what life was like. And so um, during that time frame, uh, Rhonda Hicks has been, you know, we did a po- we've done a podcast with her in the past. They were during those months, they knew I was, they, they knew there was something wrong with me. And, you know, they were trying to be such a blessing. And my parents were trying to help any way they could. And um, they were just all there trying to support me. But I didn't know what was wrong and I didn't, I did not understand why my pain levels other than I had had mono, severe mono and adrenal um, issues leading up to us going to Cameroon. And so I knew that was all very much flared, but it just seemed like this pain was just so much more intense. And um, so we went through testing and um, they found I had um, growths in my liver mm. Um appeared to be tumors my my doctor um, had sent me in for an MRI and they had found those and um that really tipped me off edge and I went from just being there living in a you know trapped in a live body to wanting to end everything yeah. and um it was very much because of you that I didn't do that oh, um, so yeah. um there was a few very dark days and it was during those days that I met Debbie on the phone mm-hmm. and um, you guys would get me to smile. <laughs> Even if I didn't want to smile, you guys found a way to get me to smile. And um, the Lord brought some other friends into my life at that point that just really tried to help with the kids and tried to help me. Okay. You've got to eat. I wasn't eating. If I was eating, it was or diet and um it just I wasn't taking care of myself at all at that point and so um so they tried you know people were like okay we'll we'll make you special you know health food and all these things leading up to when I could get into the cancer treatment center center in Illinois for follow-up testing and during those days uh, I began asking the Lord as the Lord refocused me um I mean, one of the things that came out of that time frame was the Holy Hill. Yeah, that one. And, yeah, that's still a special, that'll always be a special song to me, just because of that, too. Just, it was like the first song the Lord gave us in the midst of that time frame of not knowing what was going on. Yeah. And uh, my friends were like, well, watch your kids. You need to sleep. During that time frame is when you you and Debbie recommended I start taking uh, just add OPM to help with the pain and so that I could sleep just help me out a little bit because I could not go to sleep. And, um, anyway, so I started actually getting some sleep nutrition and, um, during those days, I remember, um, asking God and begging the Lord and saying, Lord, I need something to cling to right now. Would you give me a specific passage to hold to? that I know you're, that I know you're going to take care of me through this. And the Lord had given me Romans eight twenty eight specifically yeah, that's um, good. after Charles died, the day Charles was de- died. I mean, literally it was like the Lord 
stamped and embedded and burned that verse into my heart. And so as I prayed and sought the Lord about, you know, what was happening now, he took me to Psalm 91, verses 14 through 16. And the Lord and I had a discussion because I was like, God, you know, you have your entire word and you have to take me to this passage. I mean, isn't there another chapter in Psalms that would work just as well? And the Lord just kept, no, this is these, you asked for verses. This is what I'm giving you. And I remember I was really struggling with it because I just was like, this verse, this chapter failed me. That was kind of my mindset. And that sounds horrible, but that's how I felt in my heart. Like this chapter failed me. Side. And why would God take me back to a chapter that has already failed me once? And that was really, and that sounds horribly dishonoring and almost blasphemous. But that's, I'm just being honest, that's where I was really struggling. And I remember I talked to you about it one night. And you said something to me I'll never forget. It was something like, maybe God's trying to give you back this chapter as a gift. Mm. And it was, it was God trying to say, my word is true. And yeah. now those verses, every time I read them, I smile. Because even though my love was weak, even though my faith was so weak during those days, God was so faithful. And um, my life verses are Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, ever since I was a kid. And... Um, that idea of where Jesus says, um, you know, look unto him, the author and finisher of our faith. And the beginning of verse 14 says, because he hath set his love upon me. And that same idea of that fixation, where, not our, where our heart, our love, our eyes, everything is fixed on him. And God proved himself so true in those coming days. And there was many other passages the Lord gave me and um, the whole concept behind touch the hem of his garment and that um, song Wow! Um, that eventually turned into a song, but that whole story became precious to me where the Lord just said, are you going to, are you going to choose by faith to hold on to me? Are you going to choose by faith to know that, I have the power to heal you. I have the power to take care of you and get you through this. And um, there's been more moments of that even since, you know, last spring when all that was going on. But that, you know, just how the Lord works all these things long term to accomplish even more purposes. But um, to make a very long story shorter, um, the Lord really worked out details. I was able to get into the cancer treatment center and um, Debbie and then my friend Rhonda went with me there. And those were very, looking back, the Lord was so sweet in those days. He gave us really precious times together. And um, of course I had PET scan and MR, another MRI and, um, you know, enough labs drawn to last me a very long time it seems like and all of those things and when it was all over after that you know they had originally 10 days you know they because they thought they were cancerous they had planned scheduled biopsy and initial treatment and all of this was laid out and so I went up there thinking I was going to be gone for my kids for 10 or 11 days 
and ended up being gone less than 48 hours or somewhere around 48 hours before I was able to be home as God just showed himself so strong and heard the cries of many who I know were praying. And I'll never know for sure whether I had cancer or not, whether those tumors were benign or cancerous, but I know either way God showed himself strong. He did. And I don't want to say at the very least, because to me there's no at the very least in the story. No, it's God real. showed himself strong yeah. and he was my great physician. Yeah. And he became so real. His word became so alive in those days. And it was during those days that God opened up my first real, like official visiting time with a lady to work with her. And um, I had had people counsel me after I found out I had the tumors. I had some people um, who I couldn't trust. But at the time I was a little foggy, but I was told, you know, you just, you need to focus on you and you need to, for, you know, cancel any meetings or this or that or the other and just focus on you and and read something that's, um, how was it put, you know, stop just listening to the Bible or stop just reading your Bible. You need to read something, whatever. And looking back, it's so ludicrous. I'm like, that is the exact opposite of what I needed to be doing. That counsel was exact, exactly in, you know, contradiction to what the Lord's will was. Because God's word was my lamp. It literally was that light that kept me going. And the friends that were there to say, you can trust God. The friends that were there to pray with me, to encourage me, to build children and I up. Because my kids were going through another form of trauma during those days, too. Oh, yeah, thinking they're losing them. What's wrong with them? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember just, uh, yeah, just let, let me just say this. I know we're going a little long, folks. It's okay. But I, I just want to say this. I remember... Uh, advising Stephanie to tell the kids what was going on because it was a real um, sadness. There was a lot going on in the house, a lot of babysitting. Stephanie trying to figure out if she had cancer or not. And somewhere on my phone, I think we put it in a book. If we didn't, we need to get that picture in a book somewhere. But somewhere, Stephanie sat down with the kids and Stephanie's dad, Don, took a picture of... uh, of Stephanie explaining to the kids what she was going through. And I never forgot that. I never forgot that. So I wanted to say that, Stephanie, the strength and the courage and the honesty you showed with the kids and the way you trusted God and followed God. But anyway, I'm back at you. I just wanted to uh, say how proud I was of you during that time. Well, I was very thankful that you, you know, and I, and that's, um, I have never, ever since I became a parent, and I think this is just important for parents to be honest with your kids as much, you know, obviously we don't want to put unnecessary burdens on our kids, but be honest with your kids. And the more you're honest with them, the greater that trust level will be. Yeah. And, um, it's, I mean, now it's at the point with my youngest who's three, mom, you said, even if I hinted, if it's at all, I mean, and there, I mean, I'm glad it's that way. It's like if mom doesn't do exactly what she said, like what is up? You know, that's how life's supposed to work, and that's how it should be. Where our kids trust us, where they know, yeah, that, you know what mom says. Okay, you know we can trust her. And so, um, anyways, but yeah, those were hard days for them, and the Lord just brought around sweet people who loved my kids, who loved me, who. 
really tried to help all of us and 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 through that god showed him yes and 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 then through that as we came out of those you know shortly after that was my first ptsd camp where the lord just clearly opened my eyes as he opened up doors at that camp that i never saw coming of ministry and things that it was like this is what he has for me to do and And uh, yeah I'm just so thankful for that because, you know, in the, within, you know, within what, six weeks of finding out I did not have cancer is when I joined um, AFBM. And, you know, yeah. it's just been a, it's been a journey, but God used the frame. And, you know, since then, you know, I've had two follow-up appointments, um, one at three months, July of last year, and then one was actually seven months later in early first week of February of this year. And um, yeah, God's being able good. to build a relationship with my doctor and reach out to him and show him the love of Christ. And yeah. God's just opened up doors and given opportunities to meet people. And um, as you deliver thing to open up doors with um, people in places, you know, like the U.S. ambassador, we've communicated quite a bit since Charles' death. And just, God just opens up doors to to show his glory because yeah, this isn't about me yeah and you know what we should do here Completely stephanie completely faithless but we god should. is good yeah he is and we should transition at this point for a couple reasons one is this is leading right into the next podcast which is uh the joy you can only find in suffering and i know that makes no sense and some of you are saying doug's even crazier than we thought he was but if we <laughs> if we can recount what uh uh, what what Stephanie just talked about was imagine this, folks. Imagine sitting down in a group of people and telling these eight wonderful kids uh, that share your name and DNA that their dad had died. And then just several months later, uh, three or four months later, sitting around in a room and saying, hey, mom has tumors all over her liver. But coming out of that, as we close today, coming out of that, there's a joy that you can only find in suffering, and Stephanie found that. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Thank you for being so faithful to listen to our podcast and to be with us, and and know that we pray for you, folks. We sure do love you. We we appreciate what you're doing. May God bless you. We look forward to seeing you all very soon. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources and to help continue this podcast, visit us at WoundedSpirits.com.